The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, and early stage companies. In fact, all small businesses, and we're heard all around the world. So thanks for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. We really do care about you being successful and about making your business work. So if you're an entrepreneur, this show is your window to the world. If you've got something to say, this is the place to say it. Drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll do everything we can to accommodate your request. Whether you want information on a particular aspect of business or if you have a particular guest you'd like me to have on the program, let me know. We are here for you. It's time again for a little segment called Bob's Thought for the Day. Sayings that are simple and get us to think. Now, the theme of today's show is innovation and why companies have a resistance to change. So, These three sayings are probably pretty apt. The things we fear most in organisations, fluctuations, disturbances and imbalances are the primary source of creativity. How true is that? In a similar vein, and this is something that we all should be very conscious of, out there in some garage is an entrepreneur who's forging a bullet with your company's name on it. And my final Bob's thought for the day is, the greatest barrier to success is the fear of failure. People won't do things because they're afraid they're going to fail. You know, I always think, what the hell? What's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody says no. That's the worst thing that can happen. So I'll try to bring you three more every week. Last week, I attended a very impressive presentation by Dave Ulmer, who has a long career of creating and launching new businesses and products in major corporations and for startups. Now, I've often said that we should go to as many um, seminars and listen to as many presentations as we can because it's amazing what you can learn. Now, this presentation was at Metal, the organization of media, entertainment, and technology alpha leaders in Los Angeles. I'm a member and I absolutely love it. Now, Dave was um, describing the tough challenges that innovators face today and why most attempts at change fail. Now, he used a great quote from that powerhouse of corporate business, Mike Tyson. And Tyson said something that's 
absolutely true. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Now, you know, we all go out and we create wonderful business plans. And uh, then as soon as something unexpected happens, as soon as someone punches you in the face, you haven't allowed for those contingencies and you fall off the rails. Now, Dave called innovators an endangered species. He said that corporations are like living organisms, for example, like a human body. And as such, they seek out and destroy anything foreign, just like the white cells in your body do. White blood cells don't kill off viruses. They simply cut off their ability to live. In the same way, businesses don't kill innovation directly. They starve it by freezing the budget, cutting heads, delaying decisions with approval layers and bureaucracy. It's not personal. Innovation's killed off because it has a different DNA and blood type than the rest of the company. It's a departure from management's comfort zone. Now, when Alma was working for a large US maker of communication products, he and his team developed a music service platform, which he called an internet radio system. When he presented it to management, it slowly got killed off and 200 members of his team were laid off. Later on, internet radio became huge and this once successful company that wouldn't change failed and was acquired. Dave said that nine times out of ten, new innovative products and businesses come from outside the company from new market entrants, not from the market leaders. He gave examples of Kodak being crushed by digital phones, Blockbuster being annihilated by Netflix, BlackBerry crushed by the iPhone, and retailers that are struggling against the power and success of Amazon and Google. So the innovators have come from outside the industry. Now, you'd think that the, the big guys in a particular category would have all the intelligence, all everything that they need to be able to create, create the innovation, but they don't. Because big companies tend to reward people when they take the easy path, when they say, yes, sir, no, sir. And they die off because in the end, they just simply can't compete. Almost suggested some tricks to enable you to help innovation if you're in a company where that's the culture. You can avoid the bloodshed and run your innovation operation in a stealth mode by staying out of their way. Don't set up and yell from the rooftops about all the changes you're making. Just do it quietly and gently. Make the right contacts inside the organisation so that you can build support for your plan and make friends with those who control the purse strings or the approval process. And Alma says that no matter what you do, never use the word innovation. People think, uh-oh, change. He said it also helps to cross-pollinate your department with people from other parts of the company. So don't abdicate authority, but set up roadblocks so that you're less vulnerable to attack. 
it was a really entertaining and motivating presentation and it really got me thinking. You know, when was the last time a major innovation came from an established market-leading company? I just can't think of one. In my, you know, in most of the major companies that I've dealt with, changing from drip coffee to an espresso machine is a major change that needs half a dozen people to approve it. So that's one of the reasons why this radio program is such an ardent supporter of entrepreneurs. Now, I'm still receiving inquiries from people who want to know what the company was that provided me such dreadful service that I discussed a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm still receiving examples of horrendous customer service that have been encountered by our listeners. Some of the service, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary to me. At a time when the success of most businesses depends on the goodwill they have and, and word of mouth and, and repeat customers and all the things that go with great service, people are still getting treated like, you know, they don't exist. But instead of today, instead of giving you more examples of bad service, I thought I would just mention some great service provided by United Airlines. And as as you may know, those of you who've read the book, I give United Airlines a bit of a bag um, in the book for a couple of things they've done. But this is a ripper. On January 24th, Terry Drake was advised that his mother was dying. Now, he was in San Francisco, and to get from San Francisco to her hospital in Texas, he booked a United flight, which only had 40 minutes between connecting flights in Houston. And if you're a pretty regular traveller, you know that 40 minutes isn't much time, and most times you'll miss the flight. But if he missed that flight, by the time he got to the hospital, she would be gone. And, of course, Murphy's Law applied. It always does. And the first plane was delayed. I mean, he was absolutely distraught. But the flight attendants told the captain, who radioed ahead and the crew in Houston, delayed the second flight in order for him to get on board. When he ran towards the gate, the gate agent said, Mr. Drake, we've been waiting for you. They even ensured that his luggage arrived on time. And he made it to the hospital just in time to see his mother before she passed away. Now, with all the pressure on airlines to keep to schedules, I really applaud United Airlines for having compassion and putting the needs of one passenger above that of the airline. Well done, United. I think that is a great story, and we need good stories. Last week, we talked about our smartphones were affecting retail sales. Well, BI Intelligence has released a report that shows how the practice of showrooming or, you know, viewing an item in a retail store and then buying it online has created a major threat to bricks and mortar retailers. Now, since price comparisons available to shoppers on their smartphone, you can be standing in a store, look at something, get on your smartphone, compare the prices, buy it online, walk out of the store, have a coffee, save yourself a whole bunch of money. Now, this has a major effect on retail sales particularly in that all-important Christmas period. And the report looks at what retailers are doing to combat showrooming. Deloitte Digital believes that smartphones influenced $159 billion in US store sales last year, almost 5% of total retail sales. 
Now, this is expected to explode to nearly $700 billion in the next three years. That's, that's incredible. And studies have shown that J.C. Penney, which just announced a disastrous 32% decline in same source, same store sales, it's hard to say, um, in the fourth quarter of 2012, is at severe risk because showroom has visited its location 14% more frequently. Of course, the bricks and mortar stores are not going to just sit back and allow the online retailers to have it all their own way. Best Buy has announced that it will match the prices of 19 major online competitors, including Apple, Amazon, Buy.com, and Target's got a very similar price matching policy. Now, I'm a great believer that contrary to public opinion, the average consumer loves to go shopping and loves to go to the mall. However, they want great service and they want shopping to be an experience. And I'm absolutely convinced that customers are prepared to pay a little more for that experience and that any retailer not providing this service and experience will fail. Now, during the Super Bowl, the most successful advertising message was the brilliant tweet by Oreo Cookies. When the power failure hit and the stadium was plunged into darkness, their tweet, you can still dunk in the dark, was retweeted millions of times, showing the power of mastering social media. And if ever an opportunity was lost, Poland Springwater did not follow up at all when Marchio Rubio deliver the Republican response to the State of the Union address and then, you know, he stretched right across the table to get the drink of water. This was the only moment of the speech that anybody remembers. It was the perfect opportunity for the company to really reach <laughs> and, more importantly, be seen to be in tune with a huge audience. Don't forget, this program is all about you, the entrepreneur or small business person that's listening to the show looking for tips on how to be more successful. That's what we are here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we'll email it privately straight to you. I have a penchant for really ballsy women, women who push the boundaries to get recognised and really demand the opportunity to break through in what's still pretty much a man's world. Jessica Kizarek is the CEO of the company Badass Businesswomen. She takes on the most daunting challenges and wins, and she is one hell of a great bird. Jessica will join us in just a moment. You're listening to the number one radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the segment called Make Your Pitch. This is where entrepreneurs who have got something really special get to pitch it to you, our audience. And, um, you know, they're always looking for something. It could be money. It could be a joint venture opportunity. It could be distributors. Then we want you to uh, listen to it and give us a call if you think it can help. My guest today is James Austin. And James is the director of the Z Power Corporation. And they've developed a totally unique green tech engine technology and uh, these days with the environment being what it is and the need for us to do some much needed repairs this is a great topic for us to talk about welcome james well thank you very much bob now from what i've learned um this green tech engine technology is really quite different than anything else that's out there what is it it is bob uh zed uh, which is ZED, yeah. is the first motor vehicle engine in a new category called bottom cycle. There are only two such engines in the world. Ours is the only piston version. The other is a Russian turbine that went into production just last year. And how's that doing? Uh, it's doing very well. Actually, the Russians are licensing to the Chinese. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, there's a hell of a lot of engines in... Uh, Russia, Russia's interesting because everybody drives cars, and um, last time I was there, the biggest traffic jams in the world are in, in Russia, and the air's dreadful. <laughs> but China's growing at such a phenomenal rate, and yeah. their um, their growth in the use of motor vehicles is, is unbelievable. So can, can you just explain to me the scientific principle in, in everyday language so that idiots like me can understand it? <laughs> okay. We'll keep it to 100 words or less here. Okay. Um, the U.S. Department of Energy um, indicates that a conventional engine typically converts 20% of the fuel energy to pressure. That's only 20%. Wow. And that's what moves the vehicle. Well, 80% of the energy is converted to waste heat, and that, of course, goes out the radiator and the exhaust. Yeah. So every time I go in and buy $4.40 gallon of gas, $3.60 of it I'm losing. Exactly. It just goes into the atmosphere. Wow. Okay, so how does your engine differ? 
Well, the Zen engine, being a bottom cycle engine, collects that normally wasted 80% of the heat energy. Yep. It combines it with the pressure, and it produces a substantial increase in efficiency. A conventional engine inherently cannot do this. Okay. So how does the Z engine stack up against, say, electric, hybrid, and, and fuel cells, which are all the rage, particularly here in California, it seems, going down the freeway, every second car is an electric or a hybrid car? Well, great question, Bob. Uh, well, for starters, fuel, and whether it's gas, uh, diesel, natural gas, or any other fuel, okay. packs about 100 times the energy by weight as a battery. So no okay. battery, real or even theoretical at this point, can pack the energy of fuel. And, and what I ask you to do is just, can you imagine an electric heavy truck hauling 20 tons up through the Rocky Mountains and across the country? It's Probably never going to happen. Okay. In regard to fuel cells, literally billions have been spent trying to bring down the cost, but they can't overcome that barrier either. Neither one of them is actually a universal replacement for the conventional engine. Nice niche engines and nice niche power, but not a universal replacement. And in contrast, though, our engine has the same power as a conventional engine. That means if you like your uh, SUV or your four-door sedan, your sports car, any vehicle which com is coming off an assembly line now, you can keep that vehicle with the Z engine. And the bonus is uh, Z engines are very inexpensive to manufacture. So when you go to the showroom to buy your vehicle, it's going to be there for about the same price. Okay, so if I want to get one of those things, so do I have to buy a regular vehicle, I go in and I buy an SUV, and then I replace the engine? Is that what I'd need to do? Uh, no, no. It's actually, uh, we're not going to be in the retrofit business. Uh, we're okay. going to be licensing to manufacturers. They'll be coming off the assembly line okay. as new vehicles. All right. Because, yeah, it's interesting because what happened in Australia was um, quite a few years ago, the um, mm -hmm. government authorised natural gas vehicles and then gave everybody a thousand dollars which was the cost of converting your gas car right. to a um, um, natural gas car and people changed over it was quite it was quite remarkable mm -hmm. okay so not only can you claim a technical breakthrough but it's it's a totally different business model as well isn't it well it, it, it really is uh, because when the consumer can purchase any vehicle of their choice off the showroom floor, equipped with a green tech engine for the same cost, it, it really is a business model breakthrough that no other powertrain technology in the world at this point can claim. Can you just give us a bit more detail on that? I don't... Well, certainly, certainly. Um, that engine is fully scalable, so it can replace any conventional engine in any application. And that means anything from a sports car to scaling it up to a train locomotive or down to a motorcycle, a military tank, a dump truck, a bulldozer, uh, you name it. Anywhere that there's a conventional engine, we can replace it with ours. Okay, let's talk about emissions because that's a, a hot mm -hmm. topic right now all over the world. I, I saw on the news last night that uh, China is... Um, about to, they've done a fantastic job actually controlling pollution, but um, they're going the next step further and, and having a real crackdown over the next 10 years on, on pollution. So um, emissions are really important at this point in time. Well, it's, uh, your point's well taken. Uh, we've actually uh, had inquiries from China 
or Chinese manufacturers uh, already at this time. Right. Um, our, our main point in emissions, if, uh, if you can sort of concentrate on one concept, is that we can uniquely maintain the optimal ratio of fuel to air for any fuel. That's at any speed or engine load. And what that results in is an extremely clean burn and much lower emissions. It's uh, something, again, a conventional engine inherently just cannot do. Okay. Um, so it still, it still burns the same fuel. So if, if you're in California... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're paying a dollar fifty or something. I was reading the other day, dollar fifty more for fuel here than than some of the places in the Midwest because our fuel's got to be specially produced to be low emissions. So, does this mean that um, we could just use regular fuel and still do much better emission-wise than, um, um, say, California? Well, that's very perceptive, actually, <laughs> of you. And you're I'm absolutely... a very perceptive guy. I, I know that, Bob. I know that. <laughs> uh, because we do burn much cleaner, you can use lower grades of, of fuel to deliver exactly the same or better results. Absolutely. And uh, that's key for the consumer, too. And we believe at the refinery level that we can bring down the cost of fuel processing anywhere from 10 to 15%. Wow. Okay. And yeah. uh, what stage is the, the company in the Z Engine at? right at this moment. Okay. Well, it's important to know, uh, as I said earlier, that we're not building our own assembly plants, but we're going to be licensing the technology to manufacturers, uh, which already have vehicle designs, manufacturing plants, and workers uh, in place. So what that does is bring us to market quickly at a low cost using their showrooms, again, and uh, parts depots and service centers already in place. Uh, We have patent protection and are backed by a major company right now in the automotive business. However, uh, we are still looking for capital to complete pre-production vehicles and to close uh, some of our licensing agreements. So are we, like, are we likely to see um, the Z engine pop up in with major manufacturers, or would we start off with um, sort of smaller, I don't want to use the word fringe, but say fringe manufacturers for cars, or are we likely to start outside the car industry? Uh, well, uh, we are likely to start uh, with the major manufacturers. We have met with major manufacturers uh, already uh, in Europe uh, and in Asia and here in uh, North America. So uh, it's it's well underway. Great. I mean, that's, that sounds fantastic. So what funding are you looking for? Well, it's uh, not much at this point. We're uh, considering an additional $3 million Okay. Uh, to add to a current round of financing, we're about uh, we're uh, well well underway right now, and we're looking for minimum tranches of uh, five hundred thousand. Okay. Um, any any of that information can be uh, uh, actually we can be contacted through the website. Okay, so three million dollars um, with minimum tranches of five hundred thousand dollars. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, you're an investor and you have concerns about not only the environment, but also the efficiency of um, gas. This, it seems to me, and I may be wrong, and James will correct me in a second if I am, but it seems to me that we are highly dependent on um, international oil. And one of the reasons is that 80% of what's going into your tank is wasted. If we could get five, five times more, use, more power 
out of a tank of gas, we would use a hell of a lot less uh, energy um, and oil, and we could become self-sufficient, it seems to me, pretty much overnight. So if you're out there and you're listening, um, the Z engine, um, you can do more due diligence through contacting the guys, but it seems to me that it's one hell of a great invention. James, one last question. If you can replace any conventional engine in any application, that has got to be one hell of a massive market for you guys. It is. It's quite staggering, actually. Um, uh, We've had independent uh, companies try and assess that market for us. We're estimating currently that the annual market exceeds $60 billion a year in car and light truck engines uh, only, and that's on a global basis. But when we consider all engines and everything, it's uh, very close to a trillion dollars a year. A trillion dollars a year. That's one-sixteenth. Just to give you an idea how big that is, if you're listening, um, one trillion dollars a year is one-sixteenth of our total gross domestic product. We're only a sixteen trillion dollar only only a sixteen trillion dollar economy, and this is one sixteenth of that, the size of this market. And another thing that just popped into my head is that at the moment. There's us and the Russians, the only two people doing anything like this, and we certainly don't want those Ruskies <laughs> to get this market. Um, although I'm a great fan of Russia, I've been there several times, and I must admit Moscow's a great city, but I'd rather we had the business than them. So even at 1% of the market, that is one hell of a big business. Well, it is, Bob, and, and I say from what we know, right now uh, we're the only solution. So... How do people contact you, James? Well, the best way to contact us is uh, through our website, which is uh, www.zpower.com, and that's Z-E-D-P-O-W-E-R, Z-E-D-P-O-W-E-R. So zpower.com. That's correct. When you finish listening to this show, get online, have a look at zpower.com, and uh, if you can assist them in any way or like to find out more, please just contact them direct or you can come through me if you wish, bob at bobpritchard.com, and I will refer you directly to James. Thanks, James. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, Bob, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You take care of yourself there. Thank you. And we'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show in just a couple of minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. 
Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at BobPritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment where we talk to people who really make a difference in our society and make a difference to business. And we find out just what it is that makes them tick. Now, as you know, if you've listened to this program, I've got a penchant for ballsy women, women who push the boundaries <laughs> to make sure that women get recognized, mm. women get acknowledged and get the opportunity to break through, which is in what is still, unfortunately, a man's world still. Now, we, we've spoken to handicapped entrepreneur Janice Loveland, who wrote Looking Down at the Glass Ceiling some 20 years ago. We spoke to the wonderful Dana Steele, the first lady of rock radio, who's a very successful woman. And today's guest is the same calibre. Jessica is the CEO of the company Badass Business Women. I love that name, Badass Women. Business women sounds yeah. great. <laughs> we'll talk more about badass, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. This dynamo has offered has authored six books, been profiled on CNN's Young People at Rock. She takes on the most daunting challenges and always wins. With a father, Bill, she's made an extraordinary contribution in 62 countries to NGOs such as the Special Olympics, Lions Club, One Laptop Per Child and many more. And she just told me a couple of minutes ago that she was um, grew up on an Indian reservation and she's sitting out there in the middle of northern Wisconsin as we speak. Now, I wish I had time to list all of Jessica's achievements. <laughs> her purpose is to incite entrepreneurial women to take life by the horns, embrace their inner badass and kick the hell out of this world. I added that last bit. They were my words, not Hello. yours. Jessica, <laughs> welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, thank you, Bob, for having me. So, so how are you? Oh, I'm great, and I loved your intro. And there's one piece that I would just love to jump right in and address, because you, you, know, you, you listed off all my accomplishments, and then you followed it with, and she's always successful. And, and that, in fact, is not true. I think... More than more than most people I know, I'm willing to fail. Yeah. And it's it's funny. I just went through this big. I um, gave a speech about eight months ago, and the speech was about going all in, like taking the biggest risk you could. And yep. and I had saved up last year a hundred thousand dollars to that I had in like cash reserves for my business. Yeah. And I decided to take that entire amount and invest it in, in my business. And there was a, a bunch of things that I thought were going to happen as a result. And the things that I thought were going to happen, and this sort of like this upward trajectory that I was headed on, it just like all of a sudden collapsed within me. And I misjudged a couple things. And it's like I have gone straight down ever since then. And it's like that $100,000 just boom disappeared. Yeah. And now it's. Now it's like I'm, I'm having to reorientate myself. And, and I think one of the things that makes a woman a badass in business 
is her willingness to take risks and then and then and then deal with either her success or her failure. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we grow through our through our failures, don't we? We don't really learn much from successes because we sort of take them for granted. But when we uh, fall on our ass, we um, we learn lessons pretty quickly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you do, and you have to you have to really evaluate what's working and what's not working, and be ruthless about cutting things out and reevaluating. And and I'm actually in the middle of this video series right now about simplification. Yeah. And, 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 and strategically simplifying your tasks and your goals and your activities and your relationships to focus on what's going to make you the most money because that's why we're in business. We want to sure. be business if, if we were not to make money. Yeah, that's right. Now, so how did um, badassbusinesswomen.org come about? How did, what started that? I looked at the the women around me and the challenges that we were facing, and, and I think it's interesting because most of the role models that we have in business as women are women who have already made it. You know, they've yeah. been super successful, and they're millionaires times 20, and we all look up to them because they're going to teach us something about having been a success. Right. And what I decided to do was I decided to, it was, it's almost like I'm fighting on the front lines to build a business and, and do all this stuff. And I thought, why not just start being public about the challenges that I faced and, and start attracting other women that were, that were wanted to grow and that were thirsty and that were hungry and that, and that wanted a, a, a place to sort of be validated for all the things that they were doing to make their business work. Yeah. Of course, it's not only just—it's not only just women, is it? I think we all—I mean, I, on this program, I don't interview people like Jack Welsh and people like that, despite the success they've been. You read one of their books, and I'm not sure that it's much help to the little guy who's out there trying to build a business. I mean, if you're running GE, sure, all those things are great, but if you're a small guy trying to work out what to do next and trying to push the boundaries and and raise enough money to keep afloat. A lot of it just simply doesn't apply, does it? You need real um, role models, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And I think that the energy of <clears throat> being willing to put it all in and and being willing to, to talk about not only... Because in business, it's like failure is so discouraged, I, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's like we're supposed... To, we can talk about our successes, but when we're struggling, we have to keep that really quiet. Um, and so nobody knows that we're not as successful as we think we should be. And, and I think all of that's really amusing. Um, that's and I like, think that... Isn't that, like, isn't that like that in everything? I mean, when was the last time you went and saw somebody give a speech saying, Hey, my great claim to fame is I came last in the Olympics. I mean, <laughs> you don't hear it too often, do you? <laughs> well, you, even in sports, I think that we, while we celebrate the victors, we also celebrate the fight. And yeah. we celebrate both parties going at it head to head, giving it their heart, giving it their all. And then we see the, you know, I, I'm from Miami. So we just saw the Miami Heat win the championships and we saw Oklahoma lose and we saw the tears in their eyes and we admired them for their battle. And then we celebrated because we're, you know, we've got the winning team. Sure. And, and I love, I love how badass business women has really been, um, I've taken my own advice because one of the things I teach 
uh, women. And, and plus, my I have uh, about 10% of my readership is men. And I love the men who read my blog because they're so encouraging. And a lot of them, one of them um, sent me an email one time and said, the reason that I love your blog so much is because my mother was a single mother. And she raised three kids, and she fought tooth and nail inside of her own business to make it successful enough to take care of each one of us and put us through school. And that fight, and, 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 and that makes me want to support all of your women out there that you're supporting. So let me know what I can do to help you. That's great. That, on this program, we're always encouraging entrepreneurs, whether you're starting a tech company, whether you're opening a local dry cleaner, it doesn't matter. What percentage of entrepreneurs these days are women? Is it increasing dramatically? It is increasing. I don't know the exact statistics, but one of the statistics that I think is really interesting is, did you know that 90% of women-owned businesses um, make less than $50,000 a year? Wow. Wow. What, is that because they're the wrong businesses or is it because what, – what's the reason for that? Because women often start businesses and I think there's an interesting dynamic too. I, when you look at socially how men are bred versus how women are bred, the women have only been in the workforce for the last 50 years. Yeah. So there's there, – while men have been in the workforce – for thousands of years. So there's something that's bred in them socially. I mean, it's almost in men's veins to compete, to ask for what they want, to go out there, to be have thicker skin, to be more of a warrior when it comes to fighting for what they want in, in business. Yeah. And, a, lot of, a, lot of that, a lot of that, of course, is called misguided ego. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes, and and just like willingness to run their head into a wall, right? Yeah. And I think women are a little bit; they're more cautious. That we're bred to be protectors, like we protect each other, we protect our children, we protect. So we're more about holding the status quo. And women oftentimes go into business thinking, okay, I don't want a job, but I just want a small business so it doesn't get too out of control, so I can. You know, have a small business where I don't need employees and all that overhead and all that stuff. And then they get tied into, when you've got a business that's making less than $50,000 a year, how much are you taking home personally? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's one of the things I want to do too, Bob, is, in, is encourage women when they're going out to be entrepreneurs or th even thinking about being an entrepreneur. You've got to think about how are you going to get a business that's going to make six figures. Yeah. Immediately, you know, right, like right away. I saw two figures came to me today. Um, I was watching CNN. One is that there's only about 10% of women on American boards. And the other thing that I saw was interesting that only 21% of all business stories on television have anything to do with women. So that's pretty, that's pretty poor, isn't it? 21%. When you make up 51% of the population and, um, and, are out there pushing the boundaries these days. Why do you think that the media, well, corporate boards and the media, both um, ignore, not ignore is not probably the right word, but, but both um, don't give women entrepreneurs and women in business more, um, more coverage and more credence? I think it's because men are better at promoting themselves. 
quite simply, they're better at promoting themselves. They're better at listing off their accomplishments. They're better at sort of like puffing out their chest and being attractive to media is one, is one reason. Um, and, and then also there are less success stories when it comes to women, um, particularly inside of their earnings, because businesses are often judged based on their earnings. And it's like, oh, well, if you have an IPO and make, you know, $100 million, then that's newsworthy. But if you manage to get your business from $49,000 a year <laughs> to seven, $79,000 a year, that's not very newsworthy. Yeah, fair enough. And so there's a, there's, there's a, there's, there's a tendency to... Um, um, to, to, to feature these big, these big financial successes and people that are willing to promote themselves really heavily in the media. So that comes down to building your personal brand, right? Oh, which is my specialty and my favorite conversation. Oh, good. <laughs> Go for it. Well, I, in fact, I'm so passionate about, about personal branding and, and, and teaching people how to turn themselves into a brand. Yeah. Uh, that I recently founded. I don't even know if you know about this, but I recently founded the Personal Branding Institute. No, I didn't know. Yeah, with with one of my partners, um, Michelle Villalobos, and she and I have created curriculum. We have a monthly program that's you know forty seven dollars a month. People get phone calls. They really get engaged in this in this community. And then we have also graduate work. We have a program. Oh, you're going to love this, and your readers your listeners, we have a program that we created called Make Them Beg. And if you go to make makethembeg.com, you can sign up for a free video series that we give. But the, the theory and the philosophy behind Make Them Beg is when you become a character, when you become a personality, and you, and you, um, and you start expressing yourself and being vocal and having something to say and having something different, like being different from everyone else that's out there, when you, when sure. you take the time to create that character, which I'm sure you've done, um, to attain the level of success that you've had, you start magnetizing people and drawing them into you. So rather than being out there and begging, begging, begging for business, you reverse the entire cycle and you have people start begging for you. Yeah, that's, that, that's critical when you're in sales or when you're you know, if you're a small business and you're out there looking for money, it's really critical to change that frame from they're the people in control to you're the person in control. And that's that's the very first thing people should do when they go into a meeting. And it's something that people are very, very poor at. Um, so what's the first step when you want to build your personal brand? Mm, uh, the first step is is introspection. <clears throat> which is hard for a lot of people because they, they don't want to take the time. I, I give this example in one of my recent videos is like the, the arrow that flies straight. Well, the, in order to get an arrow that flies straight through the air and with like piercing clarity and insight and trajectory, like the arrow knows where it's going, you yep. have to pull back the bow. Right. When people are, business owners particularly, are so caught up in the day-to-day dramas and, you know, the, the fighting to keep your head above water that they rarely invest in, in thinking about what makes them different. You've got to really think about what makes you different from everybody else out there. Uh, and that would be pro- probably my number one thing is stepping back to think about what makes you different from all of your competitors. And then 
And then also what niche, what target audience do you want to attract? When I started Badass Business Women, I knew that I wanted to be surrounded by women who were vocal, who were edgy, who were ambitious, who were proud of themselves. And so I built an entire brand, an entire personality and character around wanting to serve that niche. Yeah. So is your personal brand reality or is it a, a Howard Stern who's some there's something totally different on camera than he is off in the, in the age of social media <clears throat> I think authenticity and transparency is really important so who you're being whatever character that is it has to be aligned with who you are naturally as a human being because yeah. otherwise people smell it they're like who is this person that's trying to pretend that there's someone different this doesn't make sense and and it's very subliminal and subconscious but as human humans evolutionarily speaking we're biologically programmed to sniff out suspicious situations yeah and, and if they so if you're giving a speech for an hour and they sniff you out in the first three minutes, the next 57 well, minutes are pretty miserable, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's miserable for, for everybody. Yeah, so right. On one, on one hand, it's real. But on the other hand, it's very carefully crafted. Because my, my persona, um, the people call me the chief. I'm the chief badass. And right. I'll tell you what, I, I've spent years and years creating that character. Right. Years and years thinking about what I have to say, who I want to say it to, how do I want them, what emotions do I want to invoke in them? Who do I have to be to bring out the best in others? Now, one of the things that I love about reading your profile is how you've balanced your life between enterprises for profit and sharing oh, yeah. your, the enormous amount of time and your own money with fantastic causes. You call it people helping people. Why is that so important to you? What gives you that drive? Mm. I just really love, I really love telling stories. I'm a, I'm a storyteller by nature. I think that's probably, if, you were, if I were to boil it down to one thing that I love doing, it's storytelling. And most, I tell stories through writing. Most through women are good ways. at telling stories. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that's a, that's also a, a skill to be developed. And so what what I saw, what I saw was that there are I have this talent to tell stories, and particularly over video, we have an extensive skill set. Thirteen years of of telling stories through video, and and I looked at how could I give back, and it's it's not like I'm in a position to write checks for a quarter million dollars to nonprofits, which I would love to do. I would love to just be able to give, give, give. And and I and what I've done instead is I've given of my time. And so yeah. we we we've traded in frequent flyer miles and dad, especially the the two of us, it's a, a shared family mission. We donate our time to these nonprofit organizations. We donate all the pre production the production, we fly anywhere in the world for them, we donate all the on-site expenses, basically everything it takes to shoot the videos. And then they they pay um, extremely reduced rates just for the editing process so we know they're invested. But yeah. for us, we, we work with about five nonprofits every year to help them capture their story on video because we believe that 
the world is a better place when nonprofits thrive. Yes, I agree. And we be- we believe that video, digital video, is by far the most um, emotionally compelling medium. Yep. And the nonprofits that have amazing videos are able to raise funds, they're able to raise support, they're able to get people on board, show them the real story, and it's just incredible. Like one of our nonprofits, we um, they spent fifteen thousand dollars on the on the on the editing costs just to edit their film. We did all the donation, yeah. and they scheduled they scheduled a fundraiser around the release of the video. In one night, they made two hundred and fifty one thousand dollars. Wow, that's fantastic. And it was just like, oh, that's what we're in this for. Yeah. Well, I think that's sensational. You, you might describe yourself as a badass, but I reckon you are a really good ass. It's been a privilege to talk to you. I've enjoyed it. If there's mm-hmm. anything I can do to help you along the way with any of the things that you're doing, please, you know, drop me an email and let me know. Now, if oh, you're... I love it. Great. If you're listening to this program and you want to learn more about Jessica, go to www. Badassbusinesswomen.org and don't forget makethembeg.com. The first thing I do when I get off um, this call is to look that up, makethembeg.com. And I'll be back mm-hmm. with a segment where I answer some emails in just a couple of minutes. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, No Bullshit Business Show. And we're coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. Now, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world. We're pretty short of time today, so we may not get through many. It's incredible that despite the different cultures around the world, all of the emails are applicable and have relevance to small business pretty much everywhere. My first email tonight comes from Dylan McCourt from Cork in Ireland. That's a great part of the world. I've given a a lot of speech presentations in in Ireland and, and several in Cork. So I love that's a it's also very cold. Dylan writes, dear Bob. Thank you for your very interesting and informative show. I saw you speak in Cork a couple of years ago and your presentation was impressive. Oh, good. I hope that you might get to come back here as we need more international expertise rather than just hear from successful locals. I can wrap my mind around that. I have a small local retail store and unfortunately a big shopping mall has just opened recently nearby and it's really making it very difficult for our local retailers to compete. What can we do as they have so much more to offer, including movies and parking and such a large range of stores? What do you suggest? Dylan, it's a familiar story, but this is where several things become very important. You know, I've got a gift store near my home in Sydney and um, it has a spectacular window displays always, which attracts people to come and look 
because they're quirky and really interesting stuff. They employ a very creative young student merchandiser who isn't very expensive but has a wonderful flair for the spectacular. So you don't have to get somebody who's a professional that costs you an arm and a leg. Get a student from a, a, a fashion house or a design studio or whatever and that um, wants the experience. They can do some really great stuff. You also really need to understand the market segments you're going for and you know ensure that you've got the right product mix to appeal to them. You know, when your products are a little unusual and you're not selling the same stuff that everybody's selling, you're in a position where people will come to to find you. They'll, they'll come and check you out. And you can also increase your margins a little. And this is where sensational customer service really differentiates your small local store from the stores and the big centres. We once took a job, a company took a job for a, um, a regional um, group of shops, just regular suburban shops in Main Street. And, uh, and they had the same problem. They were being hammered by a big, um, mall nearby. So we, we brought in, um, a whole range of incentives for people to go to the stores, you know, hot coffee and donuts and, and little red carpet out the front. And we got everybody's name and we gave them gifts and we did entertainment in the street and at weekends and at nights. And we had buskers going from stores to stores and we ended up killing the big, um, the big mall down the road. Um, because it was interesting. It was entertaining. It was something to do and people really appreciated the support. So you can beat the big guys. Dylan, a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is my last book, which um, has done very well. That will be on its way to you tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure whether I'll get through the next one, but um, I won't. So I I want to just talk to you about, um, you know, if you're a regular listener to this show and you're benefiting from the advice that, you get each week from us and from our guests, then go and tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com, subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Um, the newsletter this month is um, The Importance of Customer Service, and uh, it's gone down extremely well. We send out about, um, I don't know, 25,000 of them or something, and uh, it's been very well received. So drop me a line, come... Get on to bobpritchard.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Send me in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. And um, join me on LinkedIn because I use LinkedIn all of the time. It's a fantastic resource. So if you're not on LinkedIn, you should get on LinkedIn immediately. Um, it's a, it's an incredible way to get in touch with pretty much anybody on the planet if you if you use it properly and don't forget if you've got a particular guest you'd like me to interview or a particular topic you want me to talk about just email me um, I hope you've enjoyed the show we're pleased to have been bringing you this show now since 2011 it's a heap of fun bringing doing it each week and uh, you know I I love the, the interaction with you because I get to learn a lot um, when I research answers to your questions and to answer the emails, um, they're great for my education as well as hopefully for yours. And I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world. 
to address the critical issues that, is, that affect small business everywhere. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show. It's a show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a fantastic week. Go kick some butt. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.